Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is a repeat guest, Phil Mikens. It's not a repeat episode, however. This is a new episode with Phil Mikens. He was my guest, episode 47, which was one of the first episodes I published on the bioregulator peptides, which as many of you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm absolutely fascinated with and have now been working with myself and with my clients for well over a year. Phil has a background in pharmacy, biochemistry, and nutrition. He's got a keen interest in preventative and regenerative medicine. That would be the understatement of the day. He's currently the editor of the Aging Matters magazine and co-editor of the Lifespan Journal. He is putting on an event at the end of September, September 30th to October 2nd in London called the Anti-Aging Summit. And I'm telling you guys, this is going to be an amazing event. I'm definitely going to be there. A lot of the doctors that I know and talk to are going to be there as well. A lot of other followers. It's going to be a lot of regenerative medicine, but some of the featured speakers include Professor Vladimir Kavinson himself, as well as Dr. Bill Lawrence and a bunch of others. If you go to the website, profound-health-summit.com, you will see a list of the speakers and you could also enjoy the early bird rate, which is in place until June 1st. So you have a couple of weeks to get in on that. And also if you enter promo code wine, you will get gifted a ticket to the Friday night VIP reception, which is where all the speakers are going to be and all of the guests who register early. So if you happen to buy one of those tickets, then let me know because we can raise a glass together. Anyway, back to the episode. We talk about bioregulators and we do talk about some of the topics that some of these incredible speakers are going to be speaking about. So there's a little bit of a review at the beginning about bioregulators, but it's not too, too long. And then we launch into some new information and some of it that Phil just got maybe a week before we recorded. So there's some interesting stuff in here. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Phil. He's always good for a laugh and a good joke. If you decide you'd like to shop for some bioregulators yourself, you can go to his website, profound-health.com. And if it's your first order of bioregulator peptides, you can use discount code longevity15 and save 15% off your first purchase. If you get value from this episode, please make sure that you share it with your friends, your family, your networks and that you leave us a review because of course this is how we get found and this is ultimately how we get to reach more people just like you. So thank you so much for being here. Totally appreciate you guys and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. Enjoy the episode. And also if you're looking to connect 
connect with me for any reason, with your comments, questions, whatever it may be, you can reach me through my website, which is natnidham.com, or you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group, or on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Group. And of course, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Natalie Nidham. Natalie is with an H between the T and the a, the second day. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Just a quick minute to thank our sponsor this episode, Drink HRW, who make rejuvenation molecular hydrogen tablets. They deliver 10 parts per million of hydrogen in 500 milliliters of water directly to your cells. This is the highest concentration of hydrogen of any other brand. I personally choose this product for a number of reasons, but the first is that this company actually invests in research. To date, they've invested in 13 human clinical trials with more to come. So why is hydrogen important in the first place? Well, the list of benefits of molecular hydrogen includes enhanced alertness, reduction in liver fat, improved aerobic fitness, improved muscle recovery, and there was also a study on metabolic health in humans that showed that drink HRW tablets improved 18 of 20 metabolic markers. I use molecular hydrogen first thing in the morning, and I will often use it mid-afternoon if I need a bit of a pick-me-up. So if you'd like to try molecular hydrogen rejuvenation tablets for yourself, just go to drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman and use discount code longevity to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. Phil Mikens, it is a pleasure to have you here today. Again, it's been a year. I can't believe it's been a year. Welcome back. Thank you, Natalie. And I totally agree with you. Where does all the time go? And that's why we must live longer. Correct, <laughs> exactly. So that we can get more out of life, right? And uh, so, guys, if you didn't catch our first episode, it was episode 47 of the podcast, and it was part of the first series of podcasts that I that I put out there on this fascinating topic of bioregulator peptides. And so, Phil, you know, really briefly, I mean, people can go back and listen to 47 if they want to get the the deep lowdown on you, but maybe you can talk a little bit about you and your company, because uh, I think you're doing more about making these bioregulators available to us than uh, many other people are. So thank you very much, Natalie. I mean, basically, I helped to form uh, an organization that we call IAS or International Anti-Aging Systems, to give it its full name. And we did that uh, many 30 years ago now. and. Um, it was always, I mean, we had that word anti-aging 30 years ago, which was pretty well unknown then. And why? Because really we were fascinated with preventative and now regenerative medicine. Mm -hmm. And so through various means, we've done our best to highlight what goes on around the world. Um, so we've, you know, through our website, antiagingsystems.com or through our magazine, uh, which can be downloaded free as well, called Aging Matters, agingmatters.com. Um, we try to, to, to put these things out. We're, and without trying to blow my own trumpet, we're quite high level. Mm -hmm. You know, we're quasi-medical, if we can say that, I suppose. And we always give references. So if we make these statements and say, this researcher's doing this, this clinician's doing that, that country is now doing this, we put those references in. And over the years we've had what I would call real wow factors. Mm -hmm. But when people hear the story for the first time, they say, it's almost too unbelievable. And, uh, and I think 
that the peptide bioregulators fall into that category. And I learned about them, oh, I can't even think how far back it was now, it was at least eight or nine years ago, when I had the pleasure of listening to Professor Kavinson lecture in Istanbul. And that lecture was one of the few lectures that froze me to the spot, you know, yeah. <laughs> because, because as, as we now know, they're gene switches. Mm-hmm. They're, they're substances found in different foods that are gene switches. And um, I helped to write a book, um, a scientific book, along with Professor Kavinson and another professor, which kind of in the title sums it up, which is peptides in the epigenetic control of aging. This one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> and uh, oh, I'll sign that for you next time. And um, so, you know, that, that really says it in a nutshell. Uh, and of course, that has huge implications that manifest off in all kinds of directions. And, and we can, and we have in the previous uh, 47, we've probably gone back and we've touched on how they're being used in different Eastern Bloc countries to, to make all kinds of treatments. Yeah, and I think we could even touch on that a little bit. I mean, I know we have a couple of new topics, but for people who don't know, for maybe a new listener to the podcast who doesn't know what a bioregulator peptide is, and I do, I think that as an epigenetic factor is the best way to describe these 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 peptides, right? Because they where how many things can you find that actually will bind to DNA, will upregulate the production of proteins? It's it's a pretty amazing thing. Like the other peptides we talk about are signaling molecules. They bind to receptors on the surface of the cell. They initiate cascades. These are quite different. So, you know, in, in the spirit of doing a brief recap on that first episode, in case people don't want to go back and listen to it, maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit about these bioregulators and what they're all about. And we could talk about natural versus synthetic. I mean, there's so many different topics in this, in this area. There, There is. And of course, there's a gazillion peptides out there, right? And, and peptides, of course, are made of amino acids and there's plenty of them as well. And, you know, we go down the chain and they become proteins and they become hormones and so on and so forth. They're all amino acids at the end of the day. But there's a key word in when we say bioregulators mm-hmm. and not every peptide can call itself a bioregulator. And I use a slightly different um, uh, connection here a lot of people today they talk about nootropics the so-called smart drugs but it's an abuse of the word I won't bore you with the details but it was a guy called Dr. Gagera in Belgium in the 60s who defined what nootropic meant and it's six criteria but today it's become anything that kind of helps memory and cognition but it's a kind of bastardization of what the original meaning was in a similar way, the word bioregulator actually has a meaning or has two meanings, really, fundamentally. First of all, it means that these peptides are short chain amino acids, uh, made up of short chains of amino acids, specifically two, three or four. Yep. So anybody that knows about pe- uh, peptides will get, wow, that's very, very small indeed. In fact, a, a two peptide chain is called a dipeptide. Mm-hmm. But so that's one criteria. But there are short chains of amino acids in that category that we don't currently quantify as bioregulators. 
So what is the second part of the terminology? The second part of the terminology is that these short chains have been proven through various experiments to act as gene switches. Mm-hmm. Now, as my old mentor, Dr. Wardeen, would say, and I can hear him saying it now, it's, it doesn't mean to say, Phil, that there aren't other short chains of amino acids that aren't also bioregulators. We just haven't discovered them yet. And that's perfectly true. But like all science, we have to go with what we know. I have a question for you. There is a three amino acid peptide mm-hmm. that has been studied by... I can't remember which university in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that influences over a thousand genes. Wow! <clears throat> it's called it's GHK. Have you are you familiar with GHK? I'm not familiar with it, although I have heard of it. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's a three amino acid. You, very often, it's GHKCU. It's because it needs copper to be activate to activate. And I've always wondered that if GHK had been discovered by Professor Kevinson instead of by Dr. Lauren Pickard, who is the Mm. gentleman in the 1970s who discovered GHK, if GHK Mm. might not be classified. It it could be. It could be. And I think what we should do is is go and study it for a while and see if it can, and I could even put it to Professor Kevinson and he may may bless it and um, (laughs) and it may... (laughs) No, I think it's on his radar. I know that somebody once said to me that Professor Kevinson either said or muttered. I kind of wish I would have discovered this one myself. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand is a heck of a lot, though. Yeah. So this was this. And they they I mean, the way they described it was like you could imagine this thing running up and down the Mm. flipping genes one way or the other, you know, like like a little T, a little. That's amazing. I, I wonder, see, I've got a book up there above my shelf up there uh, of the genes that the actual genes that the uh, the, the different bioregulators um, have affinity for. And um, I, as to the best of my memory at the moment, it is late at night here in the UK, uh, the best of my memory is I don't remember any of these 21 bioregulators yeah. that are identified as affecting more than six or eight genes. Yeah, no, I um, look, it's really interesting to me too. So anyway, maybe it, it's a project to, to investigate another time. I apologize. And interrupted you, okay. I've always wondered what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. No, I've always wondered about GHK because, you know, it, it fulfills the criteria of three amino acids. It, it definitely acts on DNA. So it's definitely an epigenetic factor. You see, I don't, know of its safety factor one thing we can say about these um these 21 bioregulators um when used orally at least anyway especially when used orally is their safety factor is unbelievable yeah um and it could be because they're so specific mm-hmm. and the word bioregulator what why did they come up with that you know it's a slightly strange name well Let's let's take an assumption. Let's let's talk about the thyroid as, as an example. If we had a poor functioning thyroid, we may take a thyroid medication. We may take a synthetic T3 or T4, or we might even use the natural porcine thyroids that are out there on the market. And we would no doubt see an elevation in our thyroid level. But we'd also know that we'd have to monitor ourselves quite closely because you wouldn't want to push your thyroid into a hyper 
thyroid mm-hmm. situation yeah. and can have all kinds of damaging consequences. Here's the weird thing about these peptides. Mm-hmm. They either switch a gene off or they silence it. Uh, sorry, they either silence a gene or switch a gene on. There's no middle ground. It, it, it's a, not a very good analogy, but it's a bit like leaving the office and um, not remembering if you left the light on or not. And you ask, you phone the security guard and he goes and looks at the, and well, the light is on or the light is off. There's, there's no middle ground. Correct. And so what's fascinating about these bioregulators, and don't forget there are over 30 years of studies to go back on, mm-hmm. and they estimate used in over a million people. They can't find any serious side effects. And here's why. If you had that poor thyroid, let's go back to that again, and you took the thyroid peptide and it activated the gene so that your thyroid gland started producing more thyroid, there would come a point where it would stop. You cannot go to an excess. Mm -hmm. It keeps it in the middle ground. And conversely and weirdly, if you were hyperthyroid in the first place and you took the thyroid peptide, it would switch off and bring you down. It puts you within this operating level. A lot of people have real difficulty getting their head around that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're there's modulators. Nothing like it. There's nothing yeah. else like it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, although I have to tell you that in the last year of people in the, my community, like, as you know, I have this fairly large Facebook group. Mm. I have come across people on occasion who are so sensitive to substances that they, they swear up, down and sideways that the bioregulators, some bioregulators for them are too much. It's really interesting. Like it almost like it, I mean, who knows if it's that like, and so in some cases they have to open up a capsule and they have to start with half a capsule. Really? Yeah. I I would wonder two things. I I would question two things. Do these people have any allergies? Um, And the only reason I say that is there are other ingredients in the capsules the fillers and so on. If they have an allergy to those, it's rare, but it does happen. That would be one question. And also, and probably unlikely, but we should mention it, if they have any autoimmunity issues. Sure, and a lot of them do. Well, recently, and this is recent for me, um, I've been told by some of the people in the Institute that it would be better for them to actually take the synthetic peptides rather than the natural peptides. Really? For autoimmune issues? For autoimmune issues, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. And did they tell you why? I haven't got any deep detail. It was literally me writing an email about, what do you think of this? And then coming back and saying, well, we'll we do that. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so, well, you know, so for next episode, we need, we need to dig into this, Bill, because <laughs> this is new information. This is really interesting. That is hot off the press. I only got that this week, actually. <laughs> Breaking news right here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. So, so I, I've got to admit that that's one of the bugbears we have. Because it's a, these are very different languages, they're not in English, there is still so much to be translated. Mm-hmm. And, 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 we, and that's how we're going to get hold of this eventually. And, of course, it is coming through, but it's taking time. Well, even in the synthetic uh, bioregulator dosages, there's been a lot of confusion over time. And... It's come to light 
in the not too distant past that there's a belief out there that that the, the original texts were not properly translated in terms of the dosages for the synthetic bioregulators. And okay. because when we use, let's say, epitalon um, as yeah. an oral, the oral bioregulator, like the ones that are sold on your site, not the sublingual, yeah. but the capsules. Yes. Um, I think you're, you're looking, it says on the box that it's either 10 or 20 milligrams of bioregulator. Yeah. When you're doing the synthetic, apparently the dosage should be 100 micrograms. And people have been running around dosing 10 milligrams a day of the synthetic. Oh, I'd have to go and I'd have to go and double check that. There is a bit confusing on the original label boxes. These mm-hmm. are the boxes that are not in English. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and what they say, and it's right there on the front of the box, it says 20 milligrams. Yeah. Now it would be very easy to presume that each capsule is 20 milligram, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. Because what they're referring to is a serving size and the capsules are 10 milligram but you take two of them right now with on the english packaging the which is the products that we refer to as nature's marbles we won't do that because that's not what we do in the west yeah, yeah, so yeah. We're, saying, we're more yeah, specific capsules 10 milligrams yeah and then on the back take two a day yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure because so, i think that's where some of the confusion is probably coming from I've, I'll have to go back and double check on the synthetics. I can tell you a side story to the mm-hmm. synthetic that may interest you. Um, and that is that in the more, how should we call it, serious cases, um, when they've been used for various treatment protocols, um, and I'm talking now of the orals, I'm not talking yeah. about infections, um, they often start with the synthetics. Sure. And later, they change to the naturals. Now, I questioned that, and I said, odd, why would you do that? And the reply was, because for some reason, the synthetics act more quickly. Mm-hmm. But the naturals have longer-term effects. Yeah. Yep. The other thing I would also say at this point is there are far more studies, I'm talking about human studies now, not not in vitro or stuff like that. There are far more studies on the naturals than there are on the synthetics. Interesting, interesting. Well, I do think we talked about this a little bit last year and I was, and I I had put forward the the thought that possibly the orals not only have the the peptide in them, but they have some cofactors that get extracted along with them. Uh, Absolutely. Totally go along with that. It's a bit like when you read these studies, you you see a newspaper article and it says uh, vitamin E fails, you know, or whatever. Yeah. and then you drill down into it and you actually find out that they were using a synthetic, almost invariably were using a synthetic and it wasn't the case with the naturals. Yeah. And I think the reason is exactly what you just said. Yeah. Well, and because of course, vitamin E is what it's eight to cofferols and quite okay. often they'll use one. To exactly. off, right. So you're missing. And, you know, Mother Nature doesn't like it when we mess with her stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is, of course, the fundamental problem with drug trials, mm-hmm. because they want to find one molecule that will do that or that. And yet we know that if they use things in combination, the benefits would be far greater. Absolutely. I think that's part of what's happening in the CBD industry. Like when you talk to people 
who use the whole hemp plant um, and they, the results they get. And then you look at the trials of the drug companies who are trying to extract little bits and pieces to turn it into something that they can patent and they can't reproduce. Right. And missing all these other cofactors and it's really annoying the daylights out of them. (laughs) There, there is a drug on the market called aglomelatine. Yeah. Guess what it is? It's an extract of melatonin. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not. No, no. It doesn't work quite as well, and it's a lot more expensive, and it has some side effects. But other than that, it's fantastic. But it's patented. Yeah. It's patented, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Somebody's so making money. Yeah, you're, I've, I've got a friend of mine who's really big into the whole CBD area, and he tells me lots of stuff about the terpenes and you know, and it's like you say, as soon as you start detouring. But as you say, if they create something that never existed before in nature, then, of course, you can have a pattern. Yeah, so. no kidding. Mm. Well, so anyway, so it's interesting. And, and you know, on that line with the bioregulators, I think if we were to because there's um, and I don't know if you're familiar with these companies that have Cytomax, Cytogen and Cytomin or something. And the Cytomin is the cheapest, least refined. Yeah. Of the, yeah. So it's well, almost like a desiccated. Yeah. Or an, I am. I am familiar with this, Nathalie. What? What? what we, the trouble with this game is, uh, and it's true of nutrition, pharmacology, everything. There are the most ludicrous names for everything. Yes. Um, and <laughs> it's like learning a new language. Oh yeah. Um, and then there's all these subdivisions. And unfortunately, with these peptides, I don't think it was very well thought through at the beginning, and they started giving different names. Uh, so basically what you've got is you, you, cytogens are the synthetics okay. and then cytomaxes are the naturals. Okay. okay. So that, that's a subdivision within itself. Um, and unfortunately when it comes to brand names, it gets even worse. Oh, because God. It's they, a nightmare. They, oh my God. <laughs> if it's a capital, it's got that name. If it's a, it's a sublingual, it's got that name. If, oh my God. You know, if it's, it goes on and on. So when I talk about them, I try to refer to the back. So it's a pineal peptide. It's a thymus peptide. It's a, otherwise I'm afraid people are going to learn a lot of gobbledygook. Well, it's somebody once said to me, it's kind of like going to the Ikea of the drugstores with the vent fort and the stemacort and the adrenocort, but then there's another name and it's, it's a little overwhelming. I actually have this idea. I've just started creating it. I need to get it made up by a graphic designer, but I have a table that I've made up with the different names of, ah. of each bioregulator. <laughs> so, idea. That's a good idea. Very it's like helpful. a little map but, for people. But you know what? Do you know what, Natalie? I've got to say this. Uh, I hope people will like this comment. That is what is exciting about this field. It is still so new mm-hmm. that we all make a little bit of an impact on it. We can all contribute and add and change. You know, so many things in this world are set in stone because they mm-hmm. were done 100 years ago. This is an emerging technology and, and we can all have. So you that idea of yours is great because I don't I can't think of anybody at the moment who's done that. So well, by the time this comes out, it'll be ready. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll be ready. Okay. So synthetics versus natural. We now know, so we've dropped a new little bomb on us that people with autoimmune issues may do better with the synthetics, at least initially. 
than than the oral bioregulators. And maybe it's simply that it's a, it's a simpler compound. It's a more singular action, if you will, on whatever we're affecting. It's less likely to have a. It's less likely to have an allergic reaction. I you know it. I would only advocate it for people with autoimmunity. I don't think it's. I know there are people out there who have severe allergic reactions, but they are rare. Mm -hmm. I, I've known a couple, uh, and, and I think it does depend on a number of factors. And, and the other factor, of course, is how toxic is the patient. Right. Um, I've had numerous things over the I do remember what, it nothing to do with bioregulators, I'm afraid this particular occasion, but I remember one lady who had a session on a PMF machine mm -hmm. and just broke out into this most violent rash interesting within, within like, because she was so toxic and the cells were having this first opportunity in god knows how long to start dumping into blood so yeah. you know but we're talking about people with with quite big problems of course sure well and that's your classic herx reaction right so exactly exactly yeah i'm sure she walked out of there saying seriously you told me i was going to feel better i feel possibly worse <laughs> than i ever have <laughs> it takes, in those people it takes time yeah, they have to go through some of that, and 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 the, yeah, they probably haven't realised it. It may have taken them ten years to get to that position, or longer. So, so you yeah. Bring, yeah, so you bring up time, and I think that's maybe we could explore that a little bit because very often I will get emails from people saying, "Oh yeah, I tried that thyroid bioregulator. It didn't work. It didn't do anything for me." And you know, it pains me to hear this quite often because I think it bears mentioning that let's think about what's happening when we're using a bioregulator mm. and that this is not a 24-hour process <laughs> like, no, no, that, exactly. that this is going to take time and so are you aware of any kind of guidelines or estimates in terms of how yeah. long, how long might it take for someone to like the only one i would say I've just interrupted myself, but the only one that I would say is an exception to this is sometimes Epitalon or the pineal bioregulator. People mm -hmm. will notice that their sleep improves very early and they quite quickly, but mm -hmm. the rest of them, people kind of take them. And, you know, after a week or two, they're like, so I don't feel anything. Am I supposed to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. So maybe if you might want to talk to us a little bit about the fact well, that it takes some time. Having been a pharmacist for many years, um, it almost comes back to a general question, which we can apply to many, many things. And, and, and that is, what is the patient's expectations? Mm -hmm. What are they thinking it's going to do? Where, where do they, where they, where do they, let's be honest, we're taking these things because we have, we perceive an issue and we want to improve it, whatever it might be. And so where do they want to go? Yeah. In other words. Secondly, what testing are they doing? Because, there are some people who are brilliant at perceiving, um, of course, if you're doing blood work or you're doing some sort of physical measurement, heat measurement, I mean, thyroid, you measure with the heat, right? It's quite simple to do. Yeah, Your first, first, first AM body temperature. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a really neat way to measure thyroid. Um, so are they doing anything like that? If they're actually got some sort of record, oh, I did my blood work three months ago, I've done it. Telomere is a classic one, of course, you would, how would you know your telomeres are longer? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And then there's the, and then of course, there's that kind of, how should we call it, slightly more esoteric world where, yeah, I've got more energy, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, 
I'm sleeping more, I think. So, and sometimes I would almost go, if you want to go down that route, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people are just better at, at feeling changes in themselves than others. The classic way, of course, is to ask somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, they used to always, they, doctors used to always say, that's how, if men had erectile dysfunction problems, I always wanted the wife in there at the same time. Because I'd say to the man, are you suffering with any ED? Hey, no, no, no. And the wife's going, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the challenges. One of the challenges is, is it true? Uh, and, they, and they haven't noticed these differences. Then we come down to, let, let's assume we're over that hurdle. Um, then we come down to how often are they taking it? Mm-hmm. Have they been pretty good? At staying on the regimen I you know it some people are oh, I didn't take it last week but I did this week you yeah. know yeah. that's not really good enough there are some guidelines on how to use these bioregulators and and then lastly um you come to a time vets assume that that's correct and that's been held I have a general rule of thumb and I find that it does work in the in the majority of cases if we do the old 80 20 rule Mm-hmm. 80% of people, we can say this is true. My answer is three months. Yeah. And so is it three months at 10 days a month, or do you kick people off with a 30-day yeah. induction well, I, and 10 if, days if a you're month after that? Average person, and I yeah. know none of the people watching this are average. Yeah, well, none, <laughs> none of this is none of this is <laughs> none of this is personalized advice here, guys. There's <laughs> medical advice, none of this. We're talking about a supplement here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the general rule, again, back to the 80-20 rule, is we start with what we refer to as the intensive course. And the intensive course is two capsules a day for 30 days. Mm-hmm. That's 60 capsules. And hey, presto, they are sold in the larger packs of 60 capsules. Yep. Um, there is another, there is a super intensive course, which is two capsules twice a day. But honestly, unless you've got a medical condition yeah i wouldn't go there okay so once you've done your 60 capsules in a month now and again it it will depend on the need um but as a golden rule i would say you want to take two capsules a day for 10 days each month so now we're down to 20 capsules a month yeah okay now, after a period of time, and again, it depends on the need and what your aims and goals are, but there could well come a moment where there will be improvements will be seen. And because these are not hormones, because these are not things that have to be put into the body every single day, because they're technically messengers that are telling genes to activate or to silence, general rule of thumb is you can reduce it to as little as every three months. So that's 20, so it's back to two capsules a day, 10 days, and that would be every three months. Mm-hmm. And I would call that the maintenance dose. Now, I have heard of people going lower than that. Um, if you were a very fit person and you really just wanted this as the insurance, I think you could go to as little as every six months. Yeah, but- I, I I tend to say that under 40, I don't, I, unless there's something going on, yeah. if you're just kind of hedging your bets and yeah. shoring up your defenses as it were. Good point. That's a very good point. 
Um, and but but personally, you know, if we're over fifty or whatever, we're on that average decline curve of aging. Uh, we don't like it. We, we we want to be on the optimal if we can. Um, I would say don't go below every three months. Yeah. But here's the good news: from a cost perspective, it's fabulous. Taking a box every three months, and it's not so inconvenient, right? Because I'm sure all of us who are into this seriously, there's quite a few supplements we all take every morning, every afternoon, or perhaps every evening. You know, and it does get a bit laborious. Oh, two of these and three of those and one of these. <laughs> oh, and rub this on. You know. It does get laborious. I know that. I'm, 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 I can be lazy like the next person. So, um, so at least with these peptides, it doesn't have to be so frequent. No, I agree. I, I think that's a great point. And I also, the point about, you know, are you just trying to maintain? Are you trying to shore up your defenses? Or, you know, is your, is your pancreas not working the way you would like it to be working? So it's going to take some time to hopefully, you know, and I think the other concept in the bioregulators that's really important for people to get their heads around is also to use them in stacks. And I know we talked about this in our episode, Um, you know, there's the, there's the, there's there's the core triad, if we will. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. And and (laughs) the way I think of it also, if somebody's telling me, well, you know, my, I I would love to support my pancreas for whatever reason. Yeah. I tend to go with a, a more, I look at all the other organs that are involved in this. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode. Have you heard of nitric oxide? If you were a listener in December, you may have caught the full episode we have on it. Nitric oxide is a vital molecule that is responsible for cardiovascular health and blood flow in the body. But as we age, we produce less of it. And as a result, the health of our systems are impacted because we're just not getting the optimal distribution of blood and nutrients that we need. I have found a great way to ensure my nitric oxide levels are topped off, and it's a system called Berkeley Life. I take Berkeley's two-capsule supplement just once a day, and that gives me the building blocks that my body needs to create adequate nitric oxide. I noticed a boost in energy and stamina all day long, and I know that all of my critical systems, like my gastrointestinal system, circulatory, and cardiovascular systems are benefiting from that improved blood flow. My clients and my family take it too, and have also noticed improved outcomes. It's never too early to be thinking about how you can support and sustain lifelong health and vitality. Berkeley Life makes this possible for me and can make it possible for you too. You can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com and using practitioner code N-I-D-D-B-L to place your order. That code will also give you 10% off that first order. And now back to the episode. If you looked at it from an endocrine point of view you know like the great books that Thierry Hertog writes for example you know you see that they're not in isolation if, if there's a, a pancreatic problem you know you may benefit from supporting your adrenals or you know and, and of course ladies in menopause you know it, again it, it's not really good enough to just say take some estrogen and progesterone it's not quite that simple you know, there are other adrenal hormones like DHEA, for example. That, that so, and, and of course, you get once you bring a few things in combination, you get the whole. There are actually protocols. I did an interview with Professor Cameron some time ago now, and we did list a number of conditions, mm-hmm. and he recommended three peptides for each of them. So, 
And there was one peptide that it's came up there. in all of Yeah. And that was the blood vessel yeah. peptide. And when you think about it, it, it's not really rocket science because if you are improving your blood flow in your body, what isn't it going to help? If it's delivering more nutrition and taking away more toxins at any cell, it's yeah. going to improve. So that was the one that came up again and again. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I noticed that and that may or may not be part of the book <laughs> that I was waving around earlier. So, um, okay. So let's, let's touch a little bit. We have a couple more topics to go through. One that I wanted to touch on is on your website, Profound Health in the Store, there is mm -hmm. the appearance now of sublingual peptides that we haven't mm -hmm. seen as much of in the past. And mm -hmm. so this is basically, these are the synthetic peptides that correct. are being offered in a different form. That's correct. That's correct. The synthetic peptides, as we've already alluded to potential benefits with them, um, and they are cheaper as well. Yeah. Let's put that out there as well. Um, and, but there are only six of them. Uh, they're not 21 of them. So they're, they're, they're slightly limited in a number, but there's still some important ones amongst them. And yes, they are available. In fact, oh, do you mind if I stand up? No, please do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some here. Look at you. My, on my shelf. Um, so here we have, can you see that? There's an example. Yeah. And, and, and then this is the bottle inside you see it's, a cube. it's like it looks like a tube almost it is a tube it is a tube there it is there's a tube and of course it has drops of liquid which you put under the tongue and i can tell you there's no discernible taste or smell it's like a homeopathic almost yeah yeah kind of kind of so um then the question of course becomes why would you want to use a sublingual as opposed to an oral um the classic, of course, is that sublingual anything is better absorbed. Yeah. Um, by the way, these are slightly more expensive than the capsules, but there isn't much in it. There isn't much in it. Um, so that's one. The other one, although this may not reach out to anybody watching this, but it is something we used to mention. People who have difficulty swallowing for any mm -hmm. reason mm -hmm. are not going to be troubled by this. So that, whether or not that's an issue, I don't I know. I also think for people who are vegetarian, like vegans, ah. people who are very, you know, who are very, um, you know, they're very committed. No, very to not using about yeah. yeah, very committed to not using animal products. I think that's also where the synthetics come in because um, it gives them very access true. to the bioregulators. Granted, not with all the cofactors. No, I, I do get that. I, there is a point, if I may just make it slightly left field but i think possibly interesting. quite often uh, when you talk about the naturals and, and and of course it is a very small amount you know we're talking about the bovine extract of pineal or retina or whatever it is the, i'm okay i'm not knocking it's vegetarian you're vegan that's fine it's not, not mm -hmm. issue, but they are very small amounts but a question that comes up occasionally is um will i get mad cow disease yeah uh, prions, you know, prions. yeah and there's absolutely no chance of it on a number of levels. Firstly, the way that the animals are raised and all the rest of it. But the actual peptides themselves, the molecules are subdolton. They're very, very small. And it's a filtration process. So no prions can exist 
in the material when it finally comes to be used. Not that they would accept a diseased animal into the process anymore, <laughs> but, 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 but I'm just making that point. It, you know, it, it, the, the, the chance is so infinitesimally small, it, it really is zero. Okay, great. Well, that's a good point to make. Okay, so we've covered all these different topics. So now let's let's get to our a couple, we have a, three more topics to cover and then one last one at the end. Um, and the first one was you were telling me before the podcast that there are two doctors in the US that are treating an interesting condition and getting some really good uh, results with, yeah. and I'm sure it's as part of a, of a greater protocol, but there's a bioregulator that seems to be standing out for them in this condition. And maybe, maybe you'd like to share some of that. Yeah, I, I was quite shocked actually. One lady doctor uh, gave me a call one day and she was really ecstatic with the information. She, she was kind of gobsmacked, I suppose. And she had a number of Alzheimer's patients and um, she's been giving them uh, the brain peptide or salutin, which technically is a CNS, a central nervous system uh, peptide. And I think she was even surprised because she said that after a month, she was getting statistical changes in the interactions and you know, right. all those various means. So this is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, now, I can't at the moment point to the reasoning why that would be as all the classic reasons that we could think of in how to improve an Alzheimer's patient, whether it's removing toxic plaques or raising their um, uh, acetylcholine levels, or you know, there's various ways we could think about it. And at the moment, I can't tell you the actual pharmacology behind it, but there, but the proof is kind of in the pudding, right? You've got a doctor. <laughs> got patients, she's added this to their regimen, and suddenly within within a few weeks, they're seeing visible improvements. Wow. So I think that's exciting, that's exciting. Um, and I hope to hear more of that, but I've had another doctor who's also confirmed that he sees improvement in some of his patients as well. That's and really I, I tell you, this, you know I like funny stories, Nathalie. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> So people then say, oh, you feel you, you can't say on the basis of four, five, six people that this is real and it's that. It's too small a number. And I'll say, well, yeah, you're probably right, but we have to look for clues, mm -hmm. uh, except that um, Dr. Alzheimer uh, proposed the theory of Alzheimer's on two patients. There you go. Um, and was outdone by Dr. Parkinson, who presented it on one. But there we go. We won't go there. So I'm sure there's people listening to this and maybe themselves or their loved ones is suffering from Alzheimer's or has gotten a horrible diagnosis. If they wanted, do you think these two doctors at some point will go public with this? Like, would they, would they publish a paper or if somebody really wanted uh, to find them, could they call you and might you share their information or? We could try reaching out to them and ask them that. Honestly, I don't know the answer. Also, I want to talk to them about other peptides they're using, because of course, I had this conversation with them about Kavanson's interview. And I can't remember now whether they were also incorporating the blood vessel peptide or not. I bet you they My were. Personally, <laughs> yes. Well, maybe I can't remember now, to be honest. It was a few months ago. But the, um, in my opinion, and it's not just my opinion, lots of other uh, docs I've worked with, you know, we could say that all the dementias are affected by a vas on a vascular level. Of course. So 
you know. But no, I we we I'll have to look into it. I'll reach out to them and and see what they want to say. Yeah, no, I think that would be quite fascinating, right? I mean, even though it's preliminary, it's small. That's where we begin, as you said. Yeah. And so then there was another condition that seems to be have become the bane of everybody's existence or many people's existence over the last two years. And that is a a very amorphous condition that people are being left with ongoing symptoms and fatigue and, and whatnot after having contracted COVID. Right. So our 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 virus of the <laughs> of the last couple of years that's made a mess of things. What's that? I've never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a human being on the face of the planet that would question that right now. Uh, whatever it is Unreal, that you think uh, about it. Again, as part of a greater protocol, no doubt there's other pieces to this protocol, but there's a particular bioregulator that they seem to be finding that they're having some... Yeah, there's a couple, again, a couple of doctors. One guy I know very well, many, many years, um, and he's a British doctor, um, and uh, they're using the thymus peptide. Mm-hmm. And that may not be entirely surprising because, of course, what, what does the thymus do? You know, it improves immunity, it's going to improve white blood cell counts, all sorts of nice things are going to happen. And what are the 13 thymic um, hormones? Oh, they're yeah. peptides. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? What a surprise. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, and I could go back to original German studies that that used uh, various thymic peptides and had some lovely effects like reducing osteoarthritis, inflammation and all sorts of other things. But we're talking about COVID now. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, the thymus peptide could be a standout one. For sure. But, you know, interestingly enough for the thymus, we were talking about people with autoimmune issues before maybe doing better with a synthetic versus um, the biologic or the the oral bioregulator. Do you think that's true for the thymus as well? Like maybe they should just start with like a thymogen or something like that before jumping in? It could be. I'm sure going back to the original trials, they they people with problems, they typically started them on the synthetics. And then once there was a sort of a control of the situation, they passed them back to the naturals to get longer term effects. Interesting. And, and one of the other issues of longer term effects is the less frequency of dosing. Right. Right. Well. So you're still pulsing so, it like that 10 days on 20 days off kind of thing, but yeah. Okay. And then our last little clinical update really was going to be around a mutual friend, a gentleman that you were kind enough to introduce me to. Um, and that is Dr. Bill Lawrence who I, when I first mm. met him, I would call him Dr. Bill Lawrence. And he was like, <laughs> he would howl, he would laugh. He goes, wow, really that like that. Really yeah, really like Maybe that. you could just keep calling me that. <laughs> hey, everything sounds better in French. We know that. Oh, well, some days. Um, and, and this has to do really with his first cohort, right? So Dr. Lawrence is now four years into, I think it's four years, right? It's got to be four, maybe five years into his trial. Yeah. He should have, of course, his initial program was to do it for three years. But as you said, that little thing called COVID got in the way and there were all kinds of complications, patients not being able to get blood work or come to the clinic. And well, you can imagine. So, um, so yes, you're right. It is now four years. And I know he's writing everything up uh, on 39 patients, but he has actually got a significant more than 39. But those are the folks who have been in this long period. And although I'm not privy to everything yet, because I haven't even interviewed him fully myself yet, because I'm 
we're, we're, Bill and I are planning to do that, and I'm going to make that a lead in um, in one of our magazines, hopefully by July for the mm-hmm. magazine. Can't wait. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might come out earlier online, but you know, and for the magazine. But um, what we do know, uh, and is exciting, because if we go back to the original studies that were going on sort of 30 odd years ago, telomeres were really, they were known about, but they weren't studied or the mechanisms weren't there to, to actually do the studies. I mean, blood tests for telomeres haven't been around that long. Absolutely. And they certainly weren't, they certainly weren't looking at the D- DNA methylation, which is now is, of course, now called the Horvath clock, named after Dr. Stephen Horvath. And um, there were inklings. There, there were some my studies. There were in vitro studies. And they showed that there was elongation of telomeres, for example. But there weren't human studies. One of the nice things, of course, that Bill's done is he's taken those patients and and he's not just focused on this, but it is a prime focus. Can we extend their average telomere length? Can we improve their DNA methylation? Now, I was with Bill once in Florida. We sat down to a meal and he told me a few years ago now, he told me that Stephen Horvath had come out publicly and said there is nothing that can improve human DNA methylation. Mm. He may have changed his mind since then, I'll admit that, but at that time he made a public statement along those lines. And then Bill said, well, not in my 39 patients, they've all improved. Yeah. And so this really now, and you know, over three years, four years, it's continued. You know, it wasn't a sort of blip in a bump in the road and disappeared. It's continued. So this is really fundamental. It, and, and now we, we kind of drill down now into the theories of aging, you know. Yeah. And it gets a bit complicated. But as we all know, there is a very strong focus today in the anti-aging world on the length of telomeres and on the um, – and I could remind you of a, 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 a Dutch study that took place a few years ago and on DNA methylation. So that's exciting. Now, of course, that's not where the rubber meets the road because people say, well, yeah, all right. So I've got longer telomeres and my DNA methylation is better. So what, what else does it mean? You know, and I know Bill's got a lot more to say about all kinds of other organs being improved as well. We should say that he's having these patients, and I joined the study last year, so I also know this firsthand. He has people using multiple bioregulators every single month. Like you're cycling through all the bioregulators pretty much over the course of a year. So it's an intensive program, but we want to see those results. And if they really shout to us, then my goodness me, what a wake up call. I just want to put this out there. Hopefully it will interest some people. I think it was 2015. There was a study done at the um, University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And they had a bunch of centenarians, uh, 10 or 12. One lady was a super centenarian. She was 112. It means you have to be older than 110. 112 or 130, something like that. And what they did is every week, they drew a small sample of their blood they, and, and they kept the record. And what did they look for in that blood? They looked for the length of their telomeres and they looked for the uh, stem cell number and the stem cell activity. That's what they monitored, okay? And what was 
absolutely, I think anyway, mind-blowing, was in the last two to three weeks of their life, there was a dramatic shortening of telomeres and reduction in stem cell activity. Interesting. Now, the billion-dollar question is, is that cause or, or is that consequence? Yeah, yeah. But that's a clue. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it's whether it's cause or effect, it's it's the presence of, right? And in people who, and I think this is what the other interesting point is these people who are particularly long-lived have, and I think I read this in a study somewhere, the length of their telomeres is comparable to that of someone much younger, of, of a middle-aged person. So somehow there's something about whether it's these people's genetics or their lifestyle or some combination thereof that it's allowing them to maintain longer telomeres later in life. And one thing we do know about what they do is they're highly protected to the DNA strands. You know, it's often quoted that they're on the tips of the chromosomes and the longer they are, the more protected they are. And it's often being equated to the aglets. And what's an aglet? And they're the bits of plastic on the ends of our shoelaces. Mm -hmm. And we all know that if they weren't there, what a mess our shoelaces would be, right? Oh, yeah. No, it and it happens <laughs> all the time. So, so we get, it's a nice way to think about it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. I think our last item on the agenda, unless we've forgotten something, is you have a really <laughs> exciting event coming up this fall, which... I know I'm super excited about and people that I know are really excited about. It was supposed to happen at the beginning of May. No, actually, it was supposed to have happened just, no, the beginning of April, just a couple of weeks ago. It was. In fact, it was April the 1st. And I said, it's not a joke, but yeah. uh, <laughs> April Fool's Day. But, you know, we put it back because everyone I'm sure knows why. And thankfully, because it's taking place in England, uh, it's it's going to be on the 30th of September to October the 2nd. Um, and I think we did because all the restrictions have been removed here in England. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't need a VAX passport. You don't need a mask. You don't need a social distance. You don't need a PCR test. So hopefully it will make, I'm hoping that people want to get back together again. We're going to miss that real okay. interaction. So what is and, it? Uh, Tell people what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we we've tried to we tried very hard to make this dare i say a high-end event and by which i mean we want people to come to learn to network and enjoy themselves and we've put it in a wonderful five-star uh, hotel which is called luton Ho, and it's about 20 minutes north of london easily reached by train or road luton airport is spitting distance away and um, it's, as I say, it's a great hotel. You can go and look it up online, see it for yourself. Um, and we're going to have everybody together. You're going to breakfast together. You're going to lunch together. You're going to have refreshments together. You're going to dinner together. Um, and everyone's going to be in the same room. You've got the speakers are going to be there. The exhibitors are going to be there. The attendees are going to be there. It, we're not that kind of place where the speakers are over there and the attendees are over here and never the twain shall meet. Because we know how important, we, we've organized conferences in the past, I won't bore people with that, but we know that networking is the number one reason people come. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got some terrific, one speaker on stage at a time, you don't have to wander, there'll only be 200 people there, 
because you can't have an intimate environment with 2,000 people. Correct. So we're trying, you know, we're trying to appeal to the, dare I say it, creme de la creme. People are really interested in this. And we've invited speakers from all over the world. Yes, Professor Cabinson intends to be there. Also, Professor um, Tropimofa. Uh, She does the most amazing eye reversal problems with peptides. You know, um, macular degeneration, retina pigmentosa. I mean, honestly, it's staggering. Uh, By the way, Professor Cabinson will, apart from talking about the fact that their gene switches, he will also talk about how they've been used in the Olympic teams and in the space program Amazing. to protect uh, people in space. So that's going to be interesting. Um, we've also got uh, Bill Lawrence, of course, is coming. Uh, yes. He's going to tell us what happened in his patients. So all going to be interested to hear that. Uh, so we have an American doctor coming, which, you know, may help some people. Um, and then we've also got a lovely dentist uh, by the name Brian Halverson. And he's going to bring us up to date on the Japanese research where they've been using peptides to, wait for it, regrow teeth. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. That's an amazing one. Um, we've got a, a wonderful gentleman um, who's a surgeon, actually, uh, from Italy. His name is Valero De Nicola. And what he has done... His research with the University of Rome is also mind-blowing. Basically, he's going to show how they can rebuild cartilage and and avoid the need for a knee or hip replacement. Well, they've only done it in 2,000 people so far. That is is shocking. I can't believe that's not all over the papers. (laughs) I know. I know. It's a wow factor. And there are two. There's one hospital and one clinic. That's the other thing. What we want to present is stuff that's happening now somewhere. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've got nothing against pure research and yeah. theories and all that. But what do we really all want at the end of the day? What can I do now? Yeah. Okay. So we're trying to be very practical in what we're doing. Yes, it could be a different part of the world. I accept that. But wouldn't you want to know that in Italy, they're regrowing people's cartilage, no major surgery, and avoiding, avoiding a knee or hip replacement? Yeah. Um, so his his title is actually um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, osteoarthritis, uh, a reversible chronic disease. Yeah, osteoarthritis um, and reversible again, are not two words you often see in the same sentence. <laughs> and we've got other speakers as well. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got um, not everything is peptides. I admit that we've we've got people talking about how to prevent breast cancers. Um, we've got, uh, 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 Marius is coming, Marius Kriasis is coming, uh, from, uh, Cyprus. He's going to talk about carnosine. Now, carnosine is a peptide. A dipeptide, is it not? Yeah. But there's some terrific research on it. The reversal of cataract. That's yeah. not bad. You know, uh, sports, skin care, you know, so I think we're covering people. If people are interested, they can go along to the profound dash health dash summit.com and they can read all about it for themselves but um yeah i'm excited about it i hope we can generate enough interest because i like doing them if i'm perfectly honest i've done them in the past and if we can get the ball rolling on this i wouldn't mind making it a regular event oh yeah we will record it by the way folks who can't get to england for whatever reason um there will be a release of the videos 
a, a month or two afterwards. I can't be sure at the moment when it will happen, but we do intend to record. But there's nothing better. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, I can't there. wait. I can't and wait. And you'll be at the dinner table and you'll look over, oh, oh, Professor Cavinson, oh, I did enjoy your lecture today. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's all about. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's, I mean, it sounds fabulous. I was signed up for the first one. I'm signed up for the second one and I'm just about got my plane ticket. I'm on my way. And um, And so, and of course, you've got an early bird ticket price until June 1st. So we're going to do our best to get this podcast out in the next short while so that to give people and a chance. People get everything in the ticket. I know not the hotel room because they can choose different hotel rooms, right? Um, and it's an amazing place. I mean, if, it's been in many films, like four weddings and a funeral and places like that. It, you know, it's a quintessential English stately home with grounds, but, but also it, it's quality all the way. I, mm-hmm. I hate to say this, and I'm going to mention no names, but I've been to meetings where, you know, they're getting all this great information about how we live longer, we live healthier, we live stronger and all the rest of it. And then we have uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Chips. Oh. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. it's not right, is it? It's just no. Not. So we are quality all the way. For sure. And I think Lutton Who has put together a great room rate for uh, for attendees, which is which is fantastic as well. So. There's no need to stay at Luton Who. Luton Airport's not far away. There are cheap hotels you can go down there. But Luton Who is a five-star resort, golf course, spa, gym, you know, a thousand acres of woodland and lakes. It's a beautiful place. And it's normally, and I'm going to talk pounds because, of course, it's the British currency. Um, it's normally 270 a night. We've arranged a ticket of 185. That's for the room. So you can yeah. share it. And you get a really good breakfast, choice of breakfast as well. I'm I'm in. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm pretty sure we've got a couple of listeners who might just be willing to hop on a plane and hop over the pond. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, hop over the pond. Absolutely. Hop over the pond. And I'm sure some of your listeners will be a lot closer. They 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 you know, they might live in Europe or even in, in oh, Britain yeah. itself. So, you know. Sure. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. We, we're looking forward to I'm looking forward to it. It's probably going to be the highlight of my year, actually. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Well, and it'll be nice to be and to even to meet you in person, actually. No, I Oh, haven't. yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting all you guys. Really am. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely have a drink together, I assure you. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Okay. Well, Phil, this has been amazing as always. Thank you so much for your time today. And um, to all you guys listening, um, the websites again, there's profound-health-summit.com if you want to join us in at the end of September, beginning of October for the summit. Or if you're looking to do a little bioregulator shopping, you can go to profound-health.com. And if it's your first order, you can use Longevity 15, and that'll save you 15% off your first order. And for the magazine, it's Anti-Aging Matters. And how would people get their hands on the magazine? Aging-matters.com. Aging Our general site, which has everything, has interviews, that's antiagingsystems.com. Right. But okay. if you want the magazine... You can go there and you can download them for each other. All you need to do is give us your email address. That's all we ask. Awesome. All right, Phil. Well, thank you very much. Did I miss anything? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground and I'm, it's been a delight to do it. 
Right. Okay, great. So thank you so much, Phil. And of course, we'll put all those links in the show notes, folks. So if you miss them while we were talking about them, they will be there waiting for you. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. And a a good day to everybody listening. Thank you. And uh, have a safe trip. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.